Sometimes I sit back and think that I want to sing like a male Bailey one day in heaven. But today I was thinking, like, I want to play drums like Aaron. That's, that's what I was thinking, because I was just like, doom, do God, do doom. You know, I was just like, just hitting it just right. There just does something to my soul. Um, well, good morning. And it is uh, Full Swing 2022. Everybody good? So I heard something on the radio that that was awesome. The guy says, he goes, my, my uh, goal for 2021 was to lose 21 pounds. And he said, I only have 30 to go. <laughs> so, uh, that was good. Uh, you know, wherever you're at and um, really whatever you've brought to the table this morning, I'm just grateful for an environment like this. I'm grateful that, um, that we can just come and sit in God's presence, that we can hear his word, that we can hear from him prophetically, um, that we can can really bring application to what God wants because um, today is the Lord, the, the day that the Lord has made, right? Today is the day. To, this is the moment where you find yourself. This is where God has seen it fit for you to be in this moment in history, in this moment in time. And so there's rejoicing that comes with that. Not like a fake kind of, I mean, there's definitely stuff to mourn. There's stuff to grieve. That's part of our process. And we're going to touch on that a little bit today. But I think we need to be reminded as the people of God that we didn't get like a bum deal by being born into this moment in time. You need to hear that. This is the moment that God's called you to be here for a purpose, and we are his church. And that is a great opportunity. That is a great privilege. And so this morning, that's kind of the the way that I want to come into it and tagging off of some of the things that that Amy um, had shared. I think that uh, when we're we're in this... uh, Exodus chapter 15, we've been on this uh, following the way, or excuse me, the, um, the way forward series out of Exodus. I think there are so many things that you've probably heard if you've grown up in the church, if you've ever listened to sermons about Exodus or made the parallels between um, the, the children of Israel leaving their captivity. There's so much there. And so it's our challenge to always like approach it with fresh eyes. And one of the things that I was really aware of as I was reading this this time is how much that if you have been in a a captivity environment, so let's talk about the children of Israel, right? So you know that they're held in captivity in Egypt for 430 years. So that's some generations of slavery, right? That that is their Lisa, good to see you. There there is an absolute... Uh, identity that's there. And sometimes that becomes what's normal, right? So captivity became what was normal for 430 years. It was familiar to them, and it was just what they knew. It was their identity. And so when they were brought into freedom, they didn't know what to do, right? So when, when God wants to bring freedom into our life, and all we've known is captivity, there is some growth that has to happen. There is some loss of, um, or I should say this way, of like surrendering our will, letting our, our will, and letting the big wheel wheels fall off of our big wheel to see that God is faithful and trustworthy. Are you tracking with me? And and that really is the journey of the children of Israel. And so that's what I want to go into and and look at a little bit this morning. Um, Before I go any further, though, I have to embarrass Brad and Linda. It's good to see you guys here this morning. Um, For those of you that don't know Brad and Linda, um, they were a part of our church for many, many years. And I'll really embarrass Brad because he was inducted into the Banjo Hall of Fame. Man, this guy is an amazing musician. The banjo is the happiest, was that in 2021 you were inducted, or 2020? Yeah, 2021. Yeah, happiest instrument ever, and this man is so full of joy. He, he, he plays the banjo, you'll just be like, it's so good, so welcome. 
And the other uh, connection that I have with the Roth family is my very, very first hospital visit was to St. Joseph's Hospital when your daughter was born. And I'll never forget that. And um, I, I had an interesting experience. I might have shared this with you that I went to Vanguard University to share in a chapel, and all of a sudden, this adult comes to me and says, hey, I think you know my parents, right? It was that girl that I visited. I believe it was that. I'm not sure which daughter it was of yours. But anyways, it's good to have you guys here, and welcome. Um, so back to Exodus chapter, um, chapter 15. Um, this whole idea of from freedom to captivity. And if you're, if you're looking for a title for today's message or if you're taking notes, uh, the, the title of the message is going to be The Road to Freedom. And the way that I want you to think of The Road to Freedom is like a road trip to freedom. Who likes a road trip? Yeah. And so this is kind of their road trip, and it has all the great elements of a good road trip. This, um, this road trip to freedom has like a good playlist. It's got a theme song. It's got uh, unexpected crisis, like big time, and it's got pleasant surprises, right? And so I think that it's fair to say that uh, our road to freedom is much like that. And, and so there's some, hopefully some takeaway that you can get. But in all seriousness, after 430 years of an identity of, of slavery or captivity, um, this captivity culture gets stuck in our brain and becomes something that feels like normal. And I believe that for, for the people of God, he's always wanting to introduce us to a new normal, right? A new normal in him. He wants to update what we know to be um, reality, right? So sometimes we create our own experience that is captive, right? And some of the things that I can see um, happening to humanity and people in close circles and further out is um, the captivity of abusive relationships, the captivity of addictive behaviors, the captivity of self-loathing and negative thoughts, and the list can go on. And see, these things can happen in secret, right? They can happen in quiet while you, you know, you could show up to work or church or wherever else and, you know, and clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. And, and yet these things are in your mind or they're in your past or they're stuck there. And especially in the area of thinking, the enemy is always trying to remind you that you're a slave or that you're captive when, when, when God has fought for your freedom. And this Exodus portion of scripture is not just um, pivotal for, for the moment that we read in the Old Testament, but for the entire Bible, it's the message of the character and nature of God that he's come to set you free. And sometimes when you get freedom, you're like, what do I do with it? Because captivity became so familiar. There's a, a, a passage in Exodus, or excuse me, in, in Isaiah chapter 28. In Isaiah 28, um, Hezekiah is the, the king of Judah at the time. Isaiah is the prophet. Isaiah is basically telling them, and their, their solution, this is very interesting, because this is centuries later now. I mean, hundreds of years later. The nation of Israel, this nation that God takes from Egypt's captivity and leads them into the promised land. Now they're an organized nation. They have a king. They have all the stuff of, you know, uh, that, that they thought they needed. And they're faced with their enemy, Assyria, right? Assyria is, a, is a, just a, a savage nation. And so what, what Hezekiah decides to do is to, to link with the, the superpower that has military might in order to fight against the enemy of Israel, Assyria. Guess who that military power is? Thank you. Egypt, right? I thought it was a softball, but I wasn't sure. But I'm thankful for Ron Loomis because he delivered. So so Hezekiah decides, let's make an alliance with Egypt in order to root out or to come against our captive 
or excuse me, our, um, our adversary, which is Assyria, our savage nation. And this is what Isaiah says. This is the whole buildup is to give you this point, which is very interesting. And he's saying this figuratively and, and almost like sarcastically. So hear it when it's said. Um, he says, because you have made a covenant with death. He's speaking to the nation, right? Your solutions to your problems are a covenant with death. And with Sheol, you have made an agreement and when an overwhelming whip passes, it will not come to us. This is their thought process. And this is why they, they thought they were okay. But what they had done, it says, is we have made lies our refuge and falsehood. In falsehood, we have taken shelter. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment in context of freedom and captivity. We have made lies our shelter. Excuse me, lies our refuge. Like where somehow we find safety and comfort. It's like, this is the truth about who you are. But yeah, no, I'd rather believe I'm a loser and I'm just terrible and whatever. Because this feels normal, right? And so we, we come back to this place of shelter in a thinking that is not in line with who God's made us to be. And then we have taken shelter in falsehoods. Isn't that interesting? I thought it was. <laughs> but as we, we carry that forward, um, the heart of God is for freedom. And freedom comes with a roller coaster of emotions. I was talking with a good friend of mine, and he was talking about um, how we can go through um, church, we can go through reading our Bibles and whatever else, but not deal with our inner life. You know what your inner life is? It's the one that no one can see, right? And, and he was saying it this way. I thought it was such a, a wise observation. He said, charismatics, or those you know that, that would be like, whoo, hand-raising, believing in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, which I do would oftentimes hide behind their experience, right? So we could have stuff going on in our inner life that we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to deal with, that we're, we're not um, trusting in, in the power of God to bring us into freedom. We can, we can hide behind, but at least I was happy when I sang at church, okay? At least they played the playlist that I was hoping for. They did that one song that gave me the goosebumps. Like, at least we're good. And he said, like, a fundamentalist or someone who's just, you know, well, I wanted to find that, but... but it's not bad. I'm not saying that that's bad. Neither, neither is necessarily bad. But, but they would hide behind their theology, right? I, I'm dealing with this stuff. It's going on, but I'm going to push it way down because I know the Bible says this, right? So you have these two extremes. And, and what oftentimes happens is no one's dealing with their stuff. And guess what? It comes out. It comes out because captivity becomes like a native language. And captivity is what, what you show in your marriage. Captivity is what you show towards your kids. Captivity is what you show sometimes in the workplace. But when you're around like the church folk, you show happy, 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 happy. Or, you know, the Bible says this. Both are good. Praise and worship is good. Bring it on. Knowledge of God's word is so necessary and so life-giving and so true. But if you just put a wall between those things and what's really going on in your life, you're missing it. And so we can see and we can so mess, like we can, in our minds, we can say, what were the children of Israel thinking? Or we can look at it as this is sort of an understanding of the process of going from captivity to freedom. And so I hope some of that makes sense. Uh, we're going to go um, look at, at Exodus chapter 14 just to give a little context to where we find ourselves in the overall Exodus story. Exodus 14, 28 um, is where we left off last week where they had come from, um, from their captivity. They come to the Red Sea. Moses, with the power of God, parts the Red Sea. Verse 28 says, The waters returned and covered the chariots and their horsemen and all of the hosts of Pharaoh um, that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. 
But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall on their right and a wall on their left. We've all seen movies that depict it. <laughs> I mean, who knows, really? I wonder what that wall of water was like. Like, was it a little wall? Was it a big wall? I mean, I don't know. But I believe in the literal translation of Scripture in this regard. So this happens in verse 31. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. After this had happened, after God shows up in such a powerful way, they believed. How many of you can look at your life story, if you can look at your experience in God, and when God shows up and does what he's supposed to do, you believe? When, when you pray and the healing comes, when you need financial provision and it comes, it's like, yay, God. And you're telling everybody about it, and you should, and you're testifying to it, and you should, because God has done a miraculous thing. And maybe even the people in your circles, those that, that are like, uh, you know, that you're doing life with and whatever else, you're, you're, you're sharing it with them. You're hearing what God is imparting through leaders in your life, and all is good. And that's kind of what the story starts with. There was a pattern that happened because this happened in different times. In Exodus chapter 4, you might remember when, when Moses and Aaron show up and they say, hey, listen, um, Pharaoh, you need to let the people go. God said, here's a demonstration of power. Um, the people witnessed this. And in, in Exodus chapter 4, it says the same thing, that, that they believed in God and they believed in Moses. It was like, yes, God is good and our leader is awesome because it's going like it's supposed to go. It goes so good that they write a song about it, right? Um, the song is, is found in Exodus chapter 15 in the, in the first part of it. We won't go through the whole thing, but this is their playlist for the road trip. It goes like this. I will sing to the Lord for he's triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. This is my God, this one, and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. And, and, you know, I would say this is a good thing to read on your own, to go through. And one of the things you'll observe is how much God receives glory for every single thing that happened. Moses didn't do it. They didn't do it by their good choices. God delivers over and over again. It's a long song. It displays the, the character and nature of God. Miriam, the prophetess, who's also the sister of, of Moses and Aaron, she gets a hold of the song. She's like, this is a good tune. You know what this tune needs is a tambourine. And... and I don't know what the connection is between prophetic people and tambourines, but there's a, there's a connection, right? And so the, the tambourine comes, and, and it's a joyful sound before the Lord, and they're dancing and they're singing. And, and they say, uh, Miriam, in verse 20 says, Miriam, the prophetess and the sister of Aaron, took the tambourine in her hand, and the woman went out, uh, and the women went out with her tambourine, and they were dancing. Um, and Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he's triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Of the whole song, the, the prophetess picks up, she picks up on the chorus. She picks up on the main part of the song. And, you know, the children of Israel probably weren't going to remember every bit of the song, but anyone could remember that part. Um, I, I've shared this several times, but Ben and I went to high school together, and in our freshman year, I think it was our freshman year or sophomore year, I can't remember, we had a, a pastor who would teach us scripture through... Um, he would sing songs with the guitar. And he, he wasn't like an amazing guitar player. He wasn't bad, but it was just the same rhythm every time. 
And, and he would play that song, and then we would sing these every day. And one of them was, I will sing unto the Lord, for he is trying victoriously. The horse and the rider is thrown into the sea. So if I can remember that from my freshman year, I'm sure in that moment when the tambourine was playing and, and people were, were singing the song and they were passing it on to generations, they would remember the full story by remembering the chorus. So there's a point to all this. That as you're looking at your, your journey into freedom, it needs to start from the place of truth, of understanding what God is capable of, who God is. There needs to be a tune that plays in your head because you're not always going to feel it. They are certainly not going to feel it in a minute. You're not always going to feel it, but you need to be reminded of the power of what your God is capable of doing. And that's the starting place for the road to freedom. you got to have a good playlist before you take off on your road trip. This is the playlist. Our God can do anything, anytime. It reminds you, of, or should have reminded me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That, that here they are, um, given the, the challenge to bow before the image of the, the king, they say, no way. The fiery furnace is heated up. You remember the story. It's so hot that the ones who open the doors are melted. And, and, and they say, our God can deliver us. They understood the song. They knew. They knew that their God could deliver them. But then this is what they said. And even if he doesn't, we're still not bowing to the idol. The song that is rehearsed in our head, what we hear over and over again, has to be truth. And the God's word is, is laying it out for us. And before we get nitpicky on the children of Israel, let's understand the human nature. Human nature has to work some stuff out and it gets messy and it's not, it's not refined and nice. It's sometimes just all out there. And it starts to, to happen, and God allows it, and he sets up environments for it so that you don't have to hide behind your theology, and you don't have to hide behind your experience, that you can come before God and say, here I am. I, I know you want me to walk in freedom. I don't want to think the way I'm thinking. I don't want to act the way I'm acting. Help me walk in truth. It's so much better, so much better than trying to perform for him or perform for the people that are around you. That is freedom, to be able to, to allow God to remove the lies that continue to, to just multiply in our brain, to be free from addictive behaviors, to be free from lies, to, to expose what's hidden in darkness and bring it into the light. It's courageous work, and many will not do it. Many will not do it, and they'll live a life in captivity claiming that they're living in freedom. And the Bible, it gives us the opportunity to come to a deeper level with him. And so this is the song. The song is ringing out in their head. In fact, they're taking a three-day hike after that. And, you know, there's like a, a couple million of them. I mean, you can, you can do the math on this, this refugee nation now that has left. They have no home, and they're walking through the wilderness. There's men, women, and children of all ages. And so you can imagine they're singing this song. They're, they're hiking. They're happy. And they're making their way the wilderness. Day one, there's no water. It's all good. Day one, it's fine. I will sing unto the Lord. He is trying victoriously. Yeah, it's all good. No water. Day two, there's no water. Now you're starting to get thirsty. I said no water and I started feeling cotton mouthy. There's no water on the, on the second day now. And I imagine that things are changing a little bit. By the third day, it's straight grumble session. And it's not just a handful of people. It's not just the car, you know, the people in the car on your road trip. It's the entire nation is upset. And before, again, we get too judgy, let's talk about what happens when you haven't had water for three days. Okay? 
right? That's, that's the limit, isn't it? That's what, that's what survival experts tell us. You can go about three days without water. But here's what actually happens to the human body. The first thing is you get sluggish and you lack energy. Okay, so you're on a, a three-day hike. Now you're sluggish and you lack energy. You get a headache. How many of you are at your best when you got a headache? You get dizzy and confused. You could get heat stroke and heat cramps. Because remember, they are in the desert. You have stiff joints that might actually stick and not work properly. There's a reason why they're grumbling, okay? And then it goes on, and and you could um, have a raised or unregulated body temperature. You could have swelling in the brain, sharp changes in blood pressure. And the last one that I read about was seizures. What a sight, man. You want to talk about, like, victorious, now three-day hike, no water, you know, she's seizing on the ground over here, he's got a headache, and we're just saying, why are they complaining? (laughs) God was faithful, let's trust God no matter what. They were complaining because stuff was getting worked out. And so they, we pick up the story, and and it comes in here to um, Exodus chapter 15 and, and, and 20, uh, verse 27. It says, when Moses made um, Israel, uh, excuse me, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went on into the wilderness of Shur and they, they were there three days in the wilderness and found no water. In verse 23, they came to Marah and they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. How would that be? Right? You're, 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 you're just looking for water and you find water and you get to that water and it's all brown and brackish and buggy and nasty, right? And you just look at that and you're thinking, I want to drink something so bad. It's, it's liquid, but I can't, it won't nourish me. A, a reason why there might have been some grumbling. Therefore, it was named Mara, and the people grumbled against Moses and saying, What shall we drink? And there he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. I, again, I, I don't want to overstate what I'm trying to state, and I hope that it's making sense, but when you are trying to learn how to be free, you're going to act in ways that aren't like fitting and normal to you. You know what I'm saying? And so it's not giving you an excuse to do whatever you want. And this isn't saying necessarily that they didn't trust in God, but they were learning how to trust in God. And when you're learning how to do something, it's a little bit messy along the way. The great analogy is when you're learning how to walk, you fall down a bunch of times, right? And you get upset every time you fall down. You're frustrated. You're learning how to ride a bike. You fall off the bike. You're frustrated. It's not so clean cut. And learning to walk in freedom is not clear-cut like that. And so they grumble and they drink. And one of the simple takeaways is what happens when we cry out to God? What happens when you cry out to God? Moses cries out to God and God shows up, but God shows up with a solution. And what's interesting about the solution that God shows up with is it's not, here, let me fix the water and make it, it, it sweet for you. It's let me give you some tools. Let me give you something that will help you to make the water sweet. If, if you have that in play in your process, then you're in partnership with God in this journey towards freedom. Is this making sense? And so what God shows him is, is a, a stick or a piece of wood, a log, and he throws it into the water, and the, the water becomes sweet. God isn't always going to fix things just because you ask him to fix it. He's not just going to fix it like that. There are many times because he's teaching you a new way. 
He's going to show you, and in partnership with him, he's going to help you walk through how you go to this next level of freedom. And I think that's a very important point, and it's an observation from this. And, and so as the water is bitter, it's something to drink, but you can't drink it. Crying out to God, God gives you a solution. You put the stick into the water, and now you can drink it. The basic question for any of us today is, what is God showing you? If you come out from hiding, if you get honest before God, he might really be showing you something. And it might be basic. It might be simple. It might be complex. I don't know, but it's right there. What is God showing you? And the second big question for any application is, what is he showing you? And what are you doing with what he's showing you? You've heard the analogy, right? It's spoken so many times. The person whose flood water is rising. They're, it's getting up to their ankles, you know. They climb up to the roof. As it's rising, they're saying, oh, God, please save me. And the, the lifeboat has already passed by. And then they, they get up to the roof, and they're saying, God, please save me from this flood. And the helicopter's swirling by, and they're, like, waving it off. God, save me. It's there. It's there. If you'll open your eyes and be in partnership with the Holy Spirit over these areas of freedom in our life. And so God goes on and, and um, does something awesome for them. It says in verse uh, 25, And there the Lord made them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them. How many of you like to be tested by God? <laughs> it's through these challenges, right, that, that I don't think God's mean. I don't think he was setting this up for them to just show that Okay, I don't want you to complain anymore. I don't think that at all. I think that God was, uh, was showing them that this new life of freedom is going to have a cost. There's something involved. There's an investment on their part. But when difficult things happen, when you're on that road trip, you know, and this is the crisis of the road trip. I mean, I've had so many on different road trips, and maybe you have too, but I remember camping trips when you pop a tire, and then you pop another tire. We, Rochelle and I, when we first got married, uh, we didn't have kids yet, but we had this nasty boat, you know. I had to have it, and it was... I, we had saved some money to get it, and it was like this $1,500 boat that was probably worth like $300. But I wanted a boat so bad. And it had rotten tires, and, you know, and, and it barely ran, but it was my boat, you know. And, and so we were towing it. We were following my sister, who had a really cool boat. And, uh, and so we were, we were heading out to like Mojave or something like that. And I remember we we're listening to music. We got the music going. Everything's good. Bob, tire pops. I'm like, oh, man, pull over, change the tire. And then we're driving a little bit more. And then guess what happens? The other tire pops. And I don't have a second spare. And then we're in some podunk town that's never has no one open, right? You've heard the story. It's probably happened to you. So you're knocking on the Tasty Freeze door, you know, and they're saying, oh, Billy Bob might have tires over there, but he's, he's off today. But I think I can get his cell phone number. And then you, you find yourself, because it's always a holiday, right, when you're doing this stuff. And this guy comes out of bed and got like this much ashes off of his cigarette. And you're like, I don't think I'll fix it for you. And it costs like way more, but it's like a really cool story. And then you're like cheap, messed up boat. You got more money in tires than you do in the whole boat. And then you go on the trip. You're like, yeah, it's awesome. You learn stuff. I had other ones too. Uh, but but, but the, the, the point is this. This is where they found themselves on the road trip. This is their crisis moment. And God wasn't going to waste the crisis. He wasn't going to waste it. He was going to use it as a teachable opportunity that just like I could tell that story like it happened yesterday, they could tell this story for generations. He sets up for them a statute or a rule. This is a standard of life. 
He says this, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put on you none um, excuse me, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. What a beautiful verse, right? They had witnessed all the diseases that he had put on the Egyptians. He had done it to show and display his power. He had done it to show that, that, that his power was greater than any world power, any national power. And he said, that stuff is not reserved for you, but it's conditional, and I want to teach you in this moment that if, if you want to learn how to walk in freedom, the key to learning how to walk in freedom is trust. And to know that if you trust me, sometimes the wheels fall off your big wheel. Sometimes you hit an acorn and spin out. But I'm a redeemer, so keep trusting me. Don't hide when those things happen. Don't run the opposite direction. Don't take things into your own hands. But continue to trust me and follow my ways even when it doesn't seem like it's going really good. You see, it's really like easy to follow God. It's really easy to, when everything's going right. But when it's not going right, of course, it's more difficult. That's where integrity is built. And that's where people who walk in true freedom learn to say, I don't know what's going on. Don't you love being around people like, I don't know what's going on. I just trust God. You know, especially in, in the face of, of things that are, are deadly or whatever else. It's like, I don't know, man. I'm just trusting God. He holds the keys. And it's usually found among older godly people who have walked with God for many, many years, who have walked through crisis after crisis after crisis and stand and say, I don't have the answer, but I trust God. Simple faith and trust. That's all he was asking for. I set the world up this way. Do this stuff and you'll be blessed. If you do it this other way, you follow your own way and you follow idols, you're not going to be blessed. It's not going to be good. And that was their message. So the if then is um, the statement, if you do things this way, then I will do for you um, what you long for. And that's healing. I am the Lord, your healer. I like to look at it this way, that um, if, if we do the possible, if you and I do the possible, then we leave the impossible up to God. But there are so many times where we're not even willing to do the possible. We're not willing to pick up the stick and put it in the water. We're not willing to even look to see that there's an option. We're just like that person waiting for God to just fix it. And in the meantime, we're frustrated and we're mad at the world. But we got to keep on living. we got to keep on growing. We have to keep on serving and loving and doing the things that he's called us to do. We do the possible and God does the impossible. I've seen it work in my life many, many times. The last part, and this is really the end, and the road trip, you have the, the great crisis that you learn a great lesson from. But there's so often, and the reason that we keep going on these road trips, the reason that we keep packing up our kids and our, our, our friends or whatever else and go through all the steps to, to make it on the road is because there's usually a great payoff, right? There's usually a great story or a very pleasant surprise. And generally, it's not the one that you planned, right? I think of, um, what was that vacation movie from way back in the day where they're going to like Wally World? Um, for all you older people. Yeah, yeah, they show up to Wally World and it's closed, you know. I mean, there's, there, but there's, there's things that you plan that you, you, you dream and you hope go this way. But one of the things I've learned about the will of God is that it's never what I expected. The will of God is never what I've expected. And I've learned how to take a whole lot of comfort and peace in that. The, the dreams of God have never been what I've dreamt. But what they are are different, and the different is always better. 
It's greater. It's, it's, it's just beyond what my small little pea brain could conceive. It's just the start of partnership with God. It just gets me heading in the direction. But when I learn to trust him, what he has for us is far greater. It's far different. And so what they find is that after this struggle, and they make this statue with God, and, and the really core time, that the closeness that they get with God is in the midst of the struggle. Um, they're listening. They're hearing. They're drinking now sweet water that God has made sweet for them. And now they, they move on into their next leg of the journey. And the Bible doesn't say a lot about it, but if we look at this one verse, there's a lot to, to observe in it. And that's that they came to Elam. And where they were at Elam, there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. I love this verse. There's a, um, we have a, a tradition with our family, like right after Easter, we, uh, we take off and we call it our hippie road trip, you know, and, and uh, we get in our, our Volkswagen and we just, we just go. We usually have a direction that we want to go in, but we have maybe some sleeping bags and a tent. Everybody just gets a small backpack, you know, not, not much stuff. And, and, and we just want to go and we don't have a place to stay. And we always say, well, if we get stuck, there's always a Walmart parking lot somewhere, right? So, so we'll go in a general direction. And and last few times it's been up the coast, and so we, we go up the coast, and it's just a good time to just kick back and whatever else as a family, and and it always gets to that point where like hmm, I start thinking I wonder where we are going to stay, and so this one trip we were, we were heading through Malibu, and it was beautiful Malibu, and then we get into Ventura, and and we start looking at campgrounds, and it's spring, right? And so everyone's like, nope, no room in the inn, you know, and and you go to the next one, yeah, good luck, buddy, and you're you're thinking, okay. You know, I got this Volkswagen bus, and it's not really safe and secure. I don't want to be sleeping in a Walmart parking lot. Okay, come on. And so, so we're going on into the, the final campground. I'll never forget this. And usually at that time, they're, you know, the, when the kids, especially when they're a little, you know, there might be a little bit of like, what's going on? And so we, we pull into this one spot. And uh, I, I, said, um, I can't remember the beach. It's just outside of Malibu. But it's the one place where you can like literally park on the sand, and, and you can camp right there on the sand. It's beautiful. And I pull up and I say to the person, I say, hey, do you guys have any campsites? And she goes, well, yes, we do. And she goes, we do because I just kicked these people out for being rude and disrespectful. And that spot's for you now. We're like, yeah. There are those times that, you know, I remember we pulled in there and, and we put our tents out. And we slept on the sand and we wake up in the morning. And, then the, you know, you literally open the door of your tent to the ocean. It was beautiful. I think we even saw some whales. Am I making up stories, you guys? I think there was, like, whales. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we, we saw sea creatures and, no. Anyways, <laughs> these surprises that God brings along the way in the way to freedom. Not every day is like that, but he's good. And he, he brings you these things to remind you of his goodness. That not every day is a struggle. Not every day is working hard to, to be all that you can be in Christ. Not every day is like that. There are days like Elam where you go from bitter waters to sweet places. Where you go from difficulty to productivity. And, and, for, and, and God's the one doing it. And in Elam, this is what it says. They came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water. What, 12 springs of water is really, really a good deal when you have a bunch of people. And they're already broken up in how many tribes? 12 tribes. And it's like, you're the leader. You're like, sweet. You roll up to this campground and they've got a well for you, a well for you. You know, we don't have to have your inner tribal fighting or anything like that. You guys get your own spring over there. Everybody has enough. The other thing about this campground that was amazing is they had 70 palm trees. It's a lot of palm trees. What, what, in, in a hot, dry, weary place, what does a palm tree provide for you? 
coconuts. No, I'm just kidding. No, they, <laughs> they provide shade, right? Shade. And so, so there they were able to sit and rest and be in the shade. Because guess what's going to happen? The progression is going to go on in this book. You're going to get sick of me. And you're going to get sick of hearing about now they don't have any food next. Now they're going to be really mad at God, and they're going to go through the whole grumbling process again. Why? Because captivity has to get detoxed out of you before you can walk in freedom. And we have a great opportunity to recognize that now and allow God to have his way in us and allow that stuff out so that he can heal us versus socking it away and hiding behind our experience or hiding behind our theology Man, listen, I pray and hope that you experience God today. There's nothing wrong with the experience. And I pray and hope that you study to show yourself approved and you have good theology. I want that in all of our lives. But they aren't our hiding places. They are their tools in growth to become more free and more healthy and walk in the Lord. And so in 2022, I'm not going to lay out a list of goals or whatever else, but in always to really be able to grow in him, to not just grow, um, just like what does grow mean? I, I, I mean, to grow in freedom, to grow in freedom, to be all that God's called you to be. Acts, this is what I'll end with, Acts chapter 3 and, and 19. It, it's, um, I love this passage of scripture and, and I'll just read it and let it, it, it rest over you. In Acts chapter 3, 19, it says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Listen to this, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Bring it on. Times of refreshing that doesn't come through any other means than the presence of the Lord, where there's springs of living water, where your soul can be nourished, not just temporal happiness because you did something fun, but where your soul can be refreshed. So again, I'll start over. Repent, therefore, turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send, um, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So as we bring things to a close on this road or road trip to freedom, um, get, get some good music. It's essential, right? It goes like this. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed victoriously. The horse and the riders thrown into the sea, right? It's not the tune, it's the words. Remember what God has done, the great lengths that he has gone to to bring you into freedom. And there's nothing that he can't do, and that even in the midst of the worst situation, even if he's not showing up like you want him to, he's able to do it. And that's what we worship him for. Secondly, not everything goes as planned, um, but you see things about yourself in the midst of difficulty. Those unexpected things that happen along the way, you learn an awful lot about yourself. Don't suppress them. Let them out so that God can deal with them. So many times God's pushing on that stuff so you get it out so that he can deal with it. And that's where repentance comes. That's where freedom comes in being able to speak about the things that you're wrestling with that are holding you captive. And finally, this is a beautiful one to end on that there are seasons of joy and refreshment. Believe it or not, there are seasons of joy and refreshment. There are moments in Elam where there's plenty of water for everyone to drink and nice shady trees. I pray over you that God will give you those, those times of refreshment, those times where it's an unexpected uh, refreshment from the Holy Spirit. But I read in Acts that the key to those times of refreshing are, are repentance, right? 
turning from some of the things that, that we hold dear, some of the sins that we have grown accustomed to, that we've come to take refuge in, that we really like, you know, some of those sins that are like little pets to us, that we know they're destroying us, but at least we know them. At least they're, they're something familiar to us. And I hope that I challenge you today to hold those things before God and say, God, I don't want to take refuge in lies. I don't want shelter in any other thing than, than the Most High. Amen? And can we stand together? I'd love to pray over you. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the, the, the journey with you. It's not an easy one, but it's a wonderful one. And we can talk about these things week after week, but we need to remind ourselves of just who you are. You are the great and mighty God who does great and mighty things, impossible things every single day. And we look to you. You are our theme song, and we pray that that song would just live in our minds as we face difficulty, as we face unexpected things, and stuff comes out that we don't, we're, we don't like it about ourselves, but here comes all the captivity. Lord, detox us of captivity that we might walk in freedom. We don't want to make excuses for our grumblings or complainings, but Lord, we don't want to hide behind stuff and pretend it's not there. Expose the stuff so it could be dealt with, Lord, and then lead us to places of Elam, places where we can be refreshed in you, renewed in you, and enjoy your presence. God, thank you for this picture of life's journey, and I pray blessing over each one today, and I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you.